Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Straight fire. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Even the crowd knows what's coming next. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ, live from the Charlotte Convention Center for the 30th annual Charlotte Auto Show. It is quite the scene in here. This is a historic event, the 30th, man. You know those uh, decades are always great uh, time stamps. They are great time stamps, yes. The 30th annual Charlotte Auto Show, we're here for it, Uptown Charlotte. And it's always amazing to me, walking in, we did this last year, it was one of our first shows that we did together when we officially launched. And we walked in last year, it was amazing then, it's true now. Can you imagine the process of getting all of these cars in? And I'm telling you, there are a lot of cars. We got the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. You know what it is. We've been in front of that thing quite a few times already. I got like a, a tank or a Humvee next to me. Yeah, man. Two of them. <laughs> two of them. Then we're sitting behind or in front of two old school Charlotte police cars. Oh, Mecklenburg those are County sweet. police cars. Yeah, we got those going. I feel like I should have on bell bottoms, pork chops, sideburns, and be running uh, down the street after some bad guys when I see these police cars and then uh, like I said the Oscar <laughs> Mayer Wienermobile that you can check out uh, on the WFNZ our, our story man we got a, a little journey inside up there by a, a young woman whose nickname is Ketchup uh, that she took me in and gave me a quick tour of what? the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile but Wait. I told her that we'll be back post show okay thank you they're very enthusiastic as well so Wait, I'm sorry. Exciting. I'm sorry you're telling me the driver of the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Yes. The nickname, her nickname is Ketchup. Yes. Okay. I didn't know that. You found out a lot. You came down here, and then you were off doing a couple different things, talking to people. It seemed like you were busy. I didn't realize that you were touring the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. No doubt about it, okay. man. And she called herself, it was something else. It was a nickname. She said, she said I'm a dog something. Um, it was pretty cool. You'll see when we go over there, man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't know. You found out all sorts of information. JJ is so right, by the way, when JJ writes in on the text line, 704-570-9610, by the way. When I think 30 years ago, I think about the 70s, except it was 1993. Yeah, that's how I think, too. And I'm 31. I just turned 31. And then when I think to 30 years ago, Colin just had a real visible reaction to that. But it's so true. Are you well adapted to the timeline, or do you still think back to, like, the 70s when you think 30 years ago as well? No, no, no. Uh, you know, you have to Now, you do have to sit there for a second and think about it. You're like, oh, wait a minute. It's this long ago. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? So uh, I get your point. But 1993, what a great year uh, as well for rap music. Uh, okay. That's what I think about when I had 93. <laughs> Golden era rap. Okay. Um, we also had another text rolling in. Bradley shooting blanks wrote in, guys, Mac tried to do the West Fire this morning. Did y'all hear it? Nah. No. I did not hear it, man. Uh, Fitty, you, you have more information on that back at the studio? Did you hear Mac try to give the fire Wes Bryant impression? No, I did not. Um, and I think we got to – that's got to be trademarked. No one else on the station can do the fire or the fizzle the way that our very own Wes Bryant can do it. I appreciate that, man. Yeah, we, we try to. You know what I'm saying? 
I don't try anything. It's all you. I'm not going to take any credit away from you. But, yes, I would like you to trademark that. So we'll get it going here, talking about the Carolina Panthers. Frank Reich's decision yes. to officially announce that he is going to take back play-calling duties. We'll get to that in just a moment and discuss the Panthers coaching staff as a whole, how much of the staff will be here next year. But the Charlotte Hornets gave a statement about an hour ago about Miles Bridges' eligibility. In fact, we just got that not too long ago saying, quote, Miles Bridges is eligible to return to our active roster on Friday after serving his NBA suspension. We are comfortable with Miles returning to play based on our current understanding of the facts of the recent allegations and remain in contact with the NBA as that matter proceeds through the court process. I'm sure everybody knows by now, but just to give the quick summary, a year and a half ago, Miles Bridges turned himself in on a felony domestic violence arrest. That court process kept continuing, continuing to the point where Miles Bridges would plead no contest. What that means is that that is not a formal admission of guilt, but also it is not any kind of innocent plea. No contest, you move on. Miles Bridges had a 30-game suspension, but the NBA viewed the last 20 games of last year having already been served, and then 10 games of that suspension being served through the first 10 games of this season. That 10th game took place against the Miami Heat on Tuesday, and now Miles Bridges is eligible to play against the Milwaukee Bucks tomorrow. And as Steve Clifford said quite a few times, as soon as he's eligible, as soon as he returns, he's going to play a significant role which is understandable based on the on-court product we're getting from the Charlotte Hornets right now. Let's dive a little deeper. Let's send it back to the Planet Kia Studios, to the Mr. Bus Driver himself, Josh Fitty Marlowe. Go ahead and open up the doors, Fitty. Let's get off the bus. We look you think Fitty could drive the, the uh, winner idea? Actually, yeah, I do. I think he could. Well, no, I don't know about that, man. Fitty can't see that good. Um, just not in the rain. I think he could drive it. Just, I don't want him driving it in the rain because he's going to drive it 90 miles if an hour. If you have to squint at all, unless the sun is directly in your eyes, I don't want you driving me anywhere. Let's just yeah. leave it to Mrs. Catch-Up. <laughs> That's right. Let's do that. No Josh Fitty Marlowe here. So I just read the statement from the Charlotte Hornets. Miles is going to come back. Wes, I'll leave it up to you here. What are your thoughts on Miles coming back to the Charlotte Hornets? going to play a significant role right away. We can get to the Encore product because there's a lot to discuss there. But I was asked by Jeff in that last hit that I did with him, what do we think the fan reaction is going to be? I can't wait to see. <sighs> Same here. I have no clue what it's going to be like. Do you have a best guess as to how Spectrum Center is going to react? Uh, I think it's going to be a mix because you're certainly going to have a lot of people who are very appalled at what he did, disgusted by what he did, and they're going to let him know that because this is their first chance to let him know that. Everybody found out about this during the offseason, and so didn't get a chance to play last year, obviously. So this is going to be their first time to publicly let him know what he thinks. And I can't wait to see how they're going to handle this. Is his warm-up pattern still going to be the same? Is he going to come out in front of the fans for warm-ups like he normally would? How's that going to go? But I certainly think uh, this is going to be one of the bigger moments in Charlotte sports history for him to return, how the fans are going to react. I have no clue what's going to outweigh what. You're going to get booze, but you're also going to get a lot of cheers. And I think the cheers, that's going to be disappointing to me, Wes, because I think the cheers are going to embrace something that doesn't matter as much as what Miles Bridges was accused of doing and pleaded no contest to. Because it pretty clearly, it's safe to say that the Encore basketball product does not matter more than Miles Bridges' arrest and what he was accused of doing and what he pled no contest to, as I just mentioned. 
So with Miles Bridges returning, and you choose to get out of your seat and cheer upon his introduction. Yes. That's not going to sit well with me. But we're going to get a lot of fans that do just that. Now, what's going to be hard to transition to, and it's going to be up to the individual how they dictate how they're going to react to a Miles Bridges alley-oop, to a Miles Bridges made basket, whether it be in the first quarter or whether it be a game-winning field goal, to give the team that you pull for a much-needed victory, especially at this point in the season. There's going to be different context that is applied to each one of these Miles Bridges made baskets or positive plays. But it's going to be hard for me to overlook why he missed 92 games in the first place, at least at the beginning. But, Wes, before this violation, this alleged violation of the protection order, we were starting to get to an on-court discussion because time does that for everybody involved. You can bring up a lot of athletes that have had trouble off of the court because of their own doing. What happens is we give a lot of attention to it at the beginning, and then those teams that bring those guys back bank on the fact that sports fans, they don't really want to hear about this either. They don't really want to talk about it. And so they're right in betting on the fact that you are just going to ignore it once we get a year, year and a half, even a month out, to be honest with you. The only reason it lasted this long is because we kept getting updates about the court process last season, and then we had a violation of the protection order before the season even started. So it's not even us wanting to talk about it more. There are updates that keep taking place here. We were getting to a point where we were going to discuss what Miles looks like at the four. Do you want to bring him back at the three position? How is he going to gel with Mark Williams, who he's never played before? We're going to get to that in just a moment. But then we had to go back to all of the stuff that was happening off of the court because there was another update. And so that's what's unfortunate. It's November 16th, West by December 16th. We're not going to talk about it as much. That's just how it is. The Hornets are right in banking on it, and that's why teams with talented players who experience off-the-court problems because of their own doing, that's why they bring them back because the talent is too great to ignore, and they're banking on the fans to just ignore it as the season goes on. Well, the thing, too, man, you know we see everything on social media, and this is going to be divisive with the fans. When you talk about, Walker, scenarios are going to happen in the stands to where the people that are cheering for him, the people that aren't, They're not going to be able to contain themselves. Some of them are going to have some things to say to people who are cheering for them. We know that there's probably going to be, hopefully, not any physical altercations, but there's going to be some verbal engagement amongst fans over this as well because of this issue and what it brings. And so, uh, like I said, this is going to be one of the bigger moments in Charlotte history for him to come back. This is not just a, a regular player that just sits on the bench and comes in and contributes every now and again. This is a star player for the Charlotte. Charlotte Hornets, and this was a tremendous issue, and we saw it because of social media. We saw the son on there talking to the grandmother. We saw the photos. We saw everything. This wasn't just something that was hearsay, something we read, what happened, and you can kind of conjure it up in your mind as far as what you think might have happened. We saw a lot of this stuff the aftermath and so that's going to be the wild part about this thing and you hate it man this team is having enough of a time trying to get wins night in and night out now they have to deal with something as big as this and i can't wait to see how he's going to react too is he going to get out there with the bravado talking that talk if he makes a play or something like that how is his demeanor going to be too man how's he going to play is this going to affect his play because 
human nature at the end of the day, man. There's going to be some anxiety, anxious feelings with Miles when he gets out there on the floor for the first time in a while. I was listening to the Bill Simmons podcast. Doc Rivers has been doing a lot of media hits, and they've been fascinating, by the way, because Doc Rivers, he's being candid with his thoughts about the James Harden situation, his coaching in Philadelphia. Really entertaining to listen to. One thing he had to say was, I don't care. I forget what he was referencing, but we can apply it to Miles Bridges. He said, I don't care who you are. If you miss a year of basketball, it's going to take you a while to get back on track. So it wasn't about Miles, but it's easily applied to him. We can't expect him to have a monster impact right away. Maybe the adrenaline gets Miles going enough where everybody's excited in the first game. Maybe the first two, he's excited. He's finally back on an NBA court, and he goes for 25, good shooting, whatever that stat line looks like. I think the initial sample size that means anything, 5, 10, 15 games, wherever you want to put it, I do think that you're going to maybe see an initial burst based off of adrenaline, and then I think once you start to get into the routine that is the NBA lifestyle, it's going to take a dip. His production is going to go back down, and then maybe about like the 30-game mark, whatever. Maybe it doesn't even take that long. I don't want to get too focused on the number of games, but I do think it's going to look like up really quickly, quick drop-off, and then gradually going up from there as he plays himself into shape, as he plays himself back into the rhythm of NBA basketball. Encore product, real quickly, I think this is what it's going to look like, Wes. Steve Clifford is going to be more comfortable going to a small ball lineup. Miles at the four allows you to not have such a talent deficiency when P.J. plays the five. Miles Bridges' lone good shooting season was two years ago. The outlier right now is a good shooting season. The three years that he played outside of what was two years ago, he posted a 33% three-point shooting percentage. So can he shoot the basketball well enough to help this team that has been awful shooting outside of P.J., who saved his percentage with this last game, and LaMelo, who had an awful shooting performance at the beginning of the season? What Miles is going to help you do is he's going to attack in space. He got to the foul line quite a bit last year. I think that is a trend that you continue because he fundamentally changed the way that he was playing. He is a good enough playmaker. I thought his assist percentage, I thought his playmaking really improved as he got through the NBA the first four years of his career. And the reality is the dude was the leading scorer the last time he played basketball for the Charlotte Hornets. He's a talented player, Wes. He was going to get $30 million. Mitch Kupchak told you, uh, okay, okay, okay. We're, we're going to bring him back. We're going to pay him $30 million. Just because yeah. Mitch Kupchak can't help himself once he's up there at the podium, and he wanted to invest in a guy that helped them so much, a team that doesn't have a lot of talent and has a lot of bad injury luck, on the court, Miles is going to help them, and it's just a matter of time of how much he looks like Miles on the court, how soon that looks. And also looking at the intangibles of this situation, you know, I talked about the other game in New York when we saw Melo barking at the Knicks and showing a little bit of emotion. That's what Miles brought to this team the last time he played basketball for them. The dunks, the yelling, the emotion, the fire that he brought on the court. Not fire or fizzle, but the fire that he brought on the court. And that's why I said I can't wait to see what his demeanor is going to be like because you know how it is. And I know you're not a dad yet, but even as a person, when you know you've done something and you have to face the music and go in front of the people that you know are looking at you sideways, that has an effect on you, man. You're not just going to be walking in there like, hey, what's up, everybody? What's going on? Sure. You might be a little sheepish, a little bit more subdued, different things like that. Who knows what's going to be said to him from fans that are close enough for him to hear. And so that's why I said this is going to be a moment in time. There's no doubt about it. It's Weston Walker live from the Charlotte Auto Show at the Charlotte Convention Center, Uptown Charlotte. Miles Bridges is back. We will see him. I expect to see him 
against the Milwaukee Bucks on Friday, and I believe that he will be available to the media after practice today, if I'm not mistaken. So we will recap some of those comments that come out a little bit later on. Let's transition to a topic I thought was going to lead the show off before this announcement from the Charlotte Hornets. It's official, Wes. Yeah. Frank Reich is taking back play-calling duties, yeah. taking them away from offensive coordinator Thomas Brown after he called three games and held that title for four weeks. Yeah. What do we make of the official decision? <laughs> yeah. It sounds like it sounds like you sound like Pastor Troy, except except a subdued Pastor Troy on vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to yeah. have that edited somewhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more about the play calling change once again. It's Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. No longer the play caller for the Carolina Panthers, Thomas Brown, speaking to media earlier. In fact, he might have just finished up at the podium. He said one thing a leader does not do is tuck his tail. Thomas Brown also says this is a grown man's business, adds that the Panthers' offense has not been good enough all season long. He does not think that this is going to affect his career, but... A lot of the comments that he had today, Wes, were taking the high road, which sure. shouldn't be surprising because Thomas Brown has been nothing but a cool cat at the podium every single time that we've gotten to hear him speak. Thomas Brown addressing Frank Reich telling us yesterday that the head coach was indeed going to take back play-calling duties after handing over that responsibility to the offensive coordinator for the last three weeks and did so during the bye, which means he had that title as play-caller for a month doing so in three games going one and two by the way the first game thought it was the best bryce young had looked all season long the last two i think it's the worst bryce young has looked all season long but you and i both have criticized this decision to no end and honestly wes yes my criticism is amped up because of it officially taking place yesterday but the damage was already done once we got that news on monday once frank reich said I'm still figuring out whether I'm going to take back play calling duties or not. Dysfunction, already easy to see. And now the fact that we are seeing that happen, Frank Reich taking back those duties. Joe Person wrote a column. I thought it was very good. You can go check it out on The Athletic. The headline, one of the write-ups before you click on it, was in the process of taking back that responsibility, he does Thomas Brown dirty. And it reeks of desperation to keep your job. I can understand that. I can sympathize with that. At the same time, this decision should not have ever been made in the first place. Right. For you to hand those duties to Thomas Brown, just for him to now have a bad record, to have a bad set of evidence 
on his plate. I hope it doesn't affect his future. I hope that three games doesn't. But the fact that you throw him something so poor, right. just to put on his resume, it speaks bad of that decision that was made a month ago. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so my whole thing about this situation is that, uh, you know, being an African-American myself, and, and the opportunities are scarce. And that's the thing that I've been trying to uh, preach throughout this whole process. We talked about over the past 20 years, NFL teams has hired an average of nine white offensive coordinators for every black offensive coordinator. Does that sound scarce to you? Because it surely does to me. And then according to USA Today, 55% of defensive coaches in the NFL this season are people of color, including half of the league's defensive coordinators. Now, that's a nice number, but we all know defense is perceived as not being as sophisticated because only 12.9% of the offensive coordinator jobs are held by people of color. And so Thomas Brown, he's looking at this situation working under Sean McVay. He says, all right, I got to go to Carolina to take this opportunity, even though I'm not going to be able to call the plays right away, even though most guys who are hired in this position, regardless of color, are going to be the play caller from day one. Okay, fine. Then, you know, earlier this season, it kind of ruffled my feathers a little bit when Frank Reich hit him with the someday. He'll be able to call the plays. And I'm like, well, why'd you bring him in if it's going to be someday? Then things go left. You're 0-6. Oh, let me hand you off this hot potato and see what you can do with this hot garbage out here that we've been putting out when we knew that this was a setup for failure because nothing much greater was going to happen than what was going on on the field right then and there because of personnel. And so now you want to take the play calling responsibilities back for what? This does nothing but look bad on Thomas Brown. You shouldn't have given them the job, and you should have kept the someday in place for him after this season when you upgrade the personnel, when you upgrade uh, everything around Bryce Young, and then you give Thomas Brown the job and say, all right, this is in a little bit better shape. I took care of the car when it was banged up. I went and got it fixed. Here now you can drive it. That's how it should have went. So that's been my problem for all of you out there that have an issue with it. That's all I'm pointing out is the scarcity of the position for African Americans. I'm not saying that Frank Reich is racist. I'm not saying the Panthers are racist. But I'm just saying when you're in a position and you're a person of color, mainly an African-American, and you know that these jobs are scarce, for you to get that opportunity that is so scarce and then get it in a bad position after the person who was going to do the job in front of you couldn't do anything with it, and then they expect you to be able to turn sugar from you-know-what, and then now you're going to take it back. And that's all I'm saying. It doesn't look good on them. It's a bad look for this franchise, and it speaks to why there were many who might have not wanted to take the job in the first place. And so for Thomas Brown, you hate it. He did take the high road. Kudos to him. But I know deep down this has got to be a frustrating oh, situation 100%. for him. Oh, what, how could it not be? And by the way, everything you just discussed should have been recognized by David Tepper and should have been recognized by Frank Reich in the moment. When you hand play calling duties to an African-American coach on the offensive side, and then you're going to hand them the keys to an offense that has not been performing all year long for a possibility for you to take it back just within three weeks' time, you have to understand how that looks. You have to understand not only how it looks for Thomas Brown and his background, but also just how dysfunctional the organization looks from a bunch of different angles. David Tepper has had this type of criticism before, okay? We saw it when Perry Fuel took over for those last four games when Ron Rivera was fired, and then he goes and gets a different coach, Matt Rule, who comes in, 
from college, gets this job, gets a big old contract. Joe Brady gets the offensive coordinator job. He's received this type of questioning before. And so now that you leave yourself susceptible to this again because of your own doing and because of your own decision making, it makes me think that you're not learning from anything as far as your tenure goes. Which, what evidence do we have that suggests he is learning from when he purchased the team six years ago to where he is right now? from where the team was a couple of years ago to where the team is right now. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of things that David Tepper has done well for the community that have benefited the community. But, man, it doesn't mean that we just ignore the fact that this has been a losing football team literally every single year that he's been at the head of this organization. And also, with this type of questioning now, it's happened again. It happened before we even get to the final stretch of this NFL season, Wes. I don't think this offense is going to be fixed magically because Frank Reich has taken over. It, it, it's why I'm angry at Frank Reich for the decision to take it back. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm angry at David Tepper for what, to me, seems like his decision to force Frank Reich to put this play-calling uh, responsibility on Thomas Brown's shoulders in the first place. There are a lot of people that are culpable in this situation, but the entire organization, it looks awful. It yeah. looks like a joke, and this is just the latest example of that. Yeah, and so now Frank Wright's going to take this back over with the Dallas Cowboys coming into town. We know everything that this defense represents. It's not going to look much better, and that's the thing. They should have just stuck to the plan, and, and that's been the thing that's been so wild about his tenure so far. There's no consistency, and to your point, which I thought was a fantastic point you brought up as well, what's Bryce Young got to be thinking about this? What is he thinking about the just the function, the functionality of this organization? He's like, my goodness, man, can we figure out what we're doing here and stay the course? You know you're going to take your lumps. You're one and eight at this point. The lumps have been taken already. All you can do is just finish out this season with pride and passion and move on to the next. And so what's your plan? What It should have been just, okay, if Reich's going to be the guy, you get it to Reich, he does it, and then after that, you upgrade, you do what you need to do, hand it over to Thomas Brown, go into year two with that plan. Or if you wanted Thomas Brown to be the OC from year one, then just stick with that and you guys be collaborative as he always wants to say. But it just looks so bad on this organization from, as you said, the Matt Rule hiring and how bad that made this organization look. Now you bring in Frank Reich and the things that were said during the preseason that haven't come to fruition. And then now it's looking like you guys don't have a clue what you're doing in the building. And so, you know, you have to sympathize with Bryce right now as well with everything that he's dealing oh, with yeah. on the field not to mention these dogs that are coming in and he doesn't have the requisite dogs to be able to deal with that so he's already going to take a physical beating this weekend and then now he's just having confusion as to what's going on with his coaches this team doesn't know what's going on I think this is going to spell the end of Frank Reich here in this staff I think uh, at this point they just need to clean house and start fresh at the beginning of the next season so you said this staff that's what I'm interested in talking about. Yeah. Because this was an all-star staff. Mm -hmm. We've seen these coaches have success at other organizations before, right? Whether it be Jim Caldwell, whether it be Dom Capers, with this organization, by yes. the way. Jero Avero, with Denver and with Carolina now. I think he's doing a good job. So the fact that you have him two years in a row with different teams, with different personnel, having two good years of work as a defensive play caller... I wonder how much of the staff is actually going to be kicked out of this franchise. Do you do one of these things where you keep a couple like they did with James Campen and Chris Tabor once they fired the Matt Rule regime, most of the Matt Rule regime? Who sticks around? How much of this is at the fault of Frank Reich 
and not really Thomas Brown, not really Ajero Avero. Does David Tepper realize that, continue to throw the money at them, continue to have them play out whatever their contract looks like, and then stay here because they have done a good job, or at the very least, right, in Thomas Brown's case, I'll say, it really hasn't been his fault. Some of it is because the offense didn't look great in those last two weeks. It didn't look great when he's collaborating on the game plan, which has some Rams concepts that he took from the previous franchise he worked for under Sean McVay. But nobody's pointing to Thomas Brown and saying this would be so much better if he just wasn't the guy that was helping out with this offense. So I'm interested in how much of the coaching staff actually sticks around here with Carolina. I don't I don't think of it as a clean house situation. Mm-hmm. Unless Avero wants to leave, I think that would be somebody that you would want to keep around. But th- this is this is where it gets all messed up, though. Like, we can agree, Avero's done a good job. But when you hire a head coach, he's going to want to bring in his own guys. Sure. And then so this is where it gets all scramble brain for me. I don't want David Tepper to medal, but I want Avero. But I also understand why he would hire a different coach than Frank Reich after one season. But then if I don't want David Tepper to medal then I want him to allow the head coach to pick his staff, even if I would love to have Avero, which there is a way to get around it, Wes. The way to get around it would be to promote Ajero Avero as the head coach, the only coach that's shown good stuff this season, Mm. and then have him pick who his offensive coordinator is going to be, however he wants to fill the rest of his staff. That's the way to go about that if you are going to try to keep some of the guys in-house. What say you on what David Tepper should do and whether it should be a complete clean house or not? Hold up. My mind is computing right okay. now as I look into the distance. Okay. Now, we talk about like this that. staff. I like loading well. All right. So, uh, you know, when we look at this staff, the case of Ejero Avero, it's a curious case, I would say, because you factor in injuries, okay, but everybody has to deal with injuries. Then you factor in as well having an offense that keeps you on the field a lot. You're getting a lot of reps. Uh, so you factor that in as well, not having a lot of backup. But at the end of the day, this team is still third worst in the league in points per game allowed. They're 26 defensively against the run. Now, sure, like I said, does he have everything that he would like to have here? No, he does not. Is this his first year as the D.C. here? No, he isn't. But it's like, man... I know a lot of fans want that, but then there are a lot of fans, too, that's going to say, okay, well, how can you sell me on a guy whose defense is third worst in the league in points per game allowed to promote him to being the head coach, especially when you're – and I get it, the Houston Texans blueprint right now, they've got a defensive coach, D'Amico Ryans, but his background was pretty sterling coming into this thing. So it's like, all right, if you want to bring in a new coach and he wants to keep Avero, I can live with that. Not sure moving him to the – to the head coach spot from D.C. is the right move, especially if you want to take this offense to the next level. We know if you get an offensive coordinator that's going to take your team to the next level offensively, he's going to be gone. So you need to lock in on the offensive candidate that you want that is dynamic enough and has the philosophies that you feel like you want to compete in today's NFL, compete with the Dolphins, compete with these teams that you see doing those five, six, seven plays a game that make you go, whoa, man, these guys are playing on another level. You got to go get that guy. And then you let that guy figure out what he wants to do. Does he want to keep most of this staff? If he doesn't, then I'm all for cleaning house and letting him bring in who you want because it's all about Bryce Young. Everybody knows you have to cater your franchise around the quarterback if you feel like you've got that guy. And so you've got to get one of those Mike McDaniels types or whatever the case that you want to find to nurture Bryce, take this offense to the next level, And you're going to have to make him the head coach. I don't think you can afford to 
in your scenario if you make Evero the head coach and he brings in a dynamic offensive coordinator and he takes this offense uh, to another plateau, he's going to be gone in a year. So you got to go identify that guy and bring him in immediately. That's always been the reason to go with the offensive-minded head coach is because you have some security that he's not going to leave. It does not mean that that's the only way to produce a good offense. You can get a smart mind, have him be the play caller, have him be the offensive coordinator, but you do risk them being a head coach somewhere else. It might happen with Houston with Slowick's offense and the fantastic job he's done so far with Houston. Now, as we talk about Ajero Averro, well, Mike, Garofolo of NFL Network just said yesterday, 23 hours ago, in fact, that Avero is emerging as one of the top head coaching candidates because of the job that he's doing with this Panthers team. I know you recognize the, the points per game aspect. You talk about the lack of rushing defense. I do think the passing defense has been a lot better, especially with a lot of the injuries. And against the bad offenses, he's shutting them down. Against Houston, <laughs> look, man, Lou Anarumo, he might be one of the best game-to-game defensive coordinators in all of the NFL. When you've seen what he's been able to do in the playoffs, when Cincinnati gets there, what he's working with compared to what the production is, he's been fantastic. My point is, Anarumo couldn't shut down C.J. Stroud enough to get that win. Averro did. It was surprising. The last three games, Averro's been in his bag, man. You've seen Dante Jackson improve. Derek Brown had an excellent game against Chicago. We've seen Brian Burns not even produce at a level or pace in which he's going to surpass his sack total from last year and yet still you're finding a way to put enough pressure on the quarterback to have this defense hold offenses in check and other NFL regimes are taking note of that he might leave well we're going to find out this weekend I think this is a big weekend for him to really show what time it is you get Brian Burns back in the lineup Uh, you could have J.C. Horn out there playing for you and you're going up against one of the top five offenses in the National Football League that's been on fire Dak Prescott has thrown for over 400 yards in his last game. We're going to see what Evero's got this weekend because this is going to be a huge test for this defense. Yeah, the coaching staff will be fascinating to see how it shapes up over the next offseason and really (laughs) over the next uh, what, few weeks left Mm -hmm. of the regular season, you know, a little uh, less than one half to go. We'll keep you updated on everything going on with the Carolina Panthers. We are live from the Charlotte Auto Show at the Charlotte Convention Center. How about the 30th annual Charlotte Auto Show? We got a lot of great questions coming in on the text line as well about some of the auto, the some of the cars here. If we were given $150,000, Wes, what car? Oh, what vehicle would you choose? We can talk about that a little bit later on as well. Terrence Oglesby joins us next to talk a little more about the Charlotte Hornets. It's Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
It's Weston Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. We're out at the Charlotte Auto Show, Uptown Charlotte, Charlotte Convention Center. A lot of nice cars staring right back at us, cars that I can't afford. I looked up, actually, yeah, this was a Google search, probably for the second or third time this year, how much is the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile worth? Only 60 k I would have gone with the over on that, Wes. I would have, too, especially with the size of it, the maintenance, things like that. But I definitely would have thought that the Oscar Mayer Mobile would cost more than that. Yeah, I don't know about this Humvee, too. I'll look that up as well. But we'll have more yeah, interesting. That's big dog right there. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, we got the hot dog and we got the big dog cars here at the Charlotte Auto Show. That was a lame joke at Sports Radio 92.7 <laughs> WFNZ. Let's go to Terrence Oglesby, who can help us. He's out at the Body Works on. I should say, at the Body Works Plus guest hotline to talk a little more about the Charlotte Hornets with us. Uh, Terrence, when you look at the last couple of performances, especially this most recent one against the Miami Heat, it looks like they're just down so many men, down so many players that would be a part of their normal rotation. Can you take away a moral victory against the Miami Heat, or are we we big boys that just need to dodge that whole moral victory thing and a loss is a loss? Uh, you know, it's hard to do moral victories, especially in the NBA, because there's so many games. You need to win games. And Steve Clifford was pretty adamant about saying that in a postgame presser. I thought that was very telling. All of that being said, you have six of your top nine rotation players out. You're not going to win a lot of games. It doesn't matter what team you're on, whether it's the Bucks, whether it's the Knicks, whether it's the Lakers. You're down top. You're six of your top nine. You're in trouble. So I, I think there's a lot to be taken away from it. I think you found some things uh, with Nick Smith Jr. You can play him minutes. I think you found some things with Bryce McGowan. He can fit a role. Uh, so if there's something to be positive taken away from it, I think it's those two guys uh, coming out and playing well. Uh, in the absence of uh, all these guys in the rota- in the rotation. Yeah, you mentioned Steve Clifford's press conference. It- I, I thought it was interesting because at the beginning of the season, not that it was excuse-laden press conferences that he was putting out there, but he was giving us reasons as to why maybe it was taking a little while for LaMelo to get going because of the injury. Same thing with Mark Williams. Why the five out when the opposition decides to go all five guys that can shoot, you still want to roll with Mark Williams despite him not being able to recover in time. You didn't get any excuses, as you mentioned, uh, Terrence, uh, after this heat game. and. Honestly, it looked like this might be the game where you would get it. What did you make of Steve Clifford's press conference as you started to dive a little deeper into that? I think there's a couple of things. One is is Steve Clifford's traditionally harder on young players than he is on older players who are on their second and third contracts. I think that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is is I think patience is starting to wear thin. And when you're young and you're in the league, you're expected to listen and know everything as far as the scouting report is concerned because you're still trying to earn your stripes. Now, I don't know who was missing assignments and messing up rotations, but from the question that was answered to the the way he answered it, 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 he started the the answer with Bryce McGowan's and ended up on stats can be deceiving. So it it kind of led me to believe that Bryce missed some things. but I think that's where the irritation stems from. you, you got to win games, uh, despite who's on the floor. You play 82 games, you're not going to be healthy 82 games. So you still have to find ways to win, especially when you're playing at home in the Eastern Conference. Terrence, one thing I want to know, what's Brian here, is the injuries with the Hornets the last couple of seasons. Man, what do you make of this? Because we know that injuries are a part of the game, but it seems like this Hornets get, Hornets team is just continually being bitten by the bug. Uh, not to be punny here, but what do you think it is with this Hornets organization and why so many guys go down so frequently? 
You know what? I, I don't know the answer to that. I also think, you know, there's there's something to be said for, you know, you're playing against the Miami Heat and they don't have anybody missing. Uh, and Miami's known as having one of the top, you know, cultures as far as hey man play through it and you have jimmy butler who if you don't play he's going to cuss you out uh do you have those kind of guys but guys listen i mean mean, the 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 injury to brandon miller i mean you saw it happen Uh, that's just unlucky the injury to gordon hayward hamstrings are a bear and they don't go away i've torn mine is the worst and it takes forever to come back uh you know these types of things happen now the one that's confusing to me is uh, the Martin, the Martin injury because he got hurt the second he signed a contract and he hadn't been back yet. So that that one's a little confusing to me. You want him to come back and play because he could be a contributor, but I, I think that's the kind of thing that sticks out more than anything. But you know, as far as injuries are concerned, those things just happen. And then, Terrence, too, when you look at this team and, and LaMelo Ball, and even though he's starting to get his legs back under him, so to speak, and the way that he's been playing, uh, but the amount of shots that he took the other night, and I know there were guys out injured. Is this team in danger of becoming one of those teams that we've seen in the past where the point guard uh, is also the shooting guard tendencies, it becoming the mellow show out there and this team becoming too mellow dependent? I mean, you're going to pay a guy two hundred and fifty something million dollars for a reason. You're you're going to depend on him. That that's uh, kind of where I'm at with that. And when you're down six players, you, you got to have somebody really be aggressive. And you saw uh, he, alongside PJ and Mark, be really aggressive in the early going. There were a couple of extra passes that could have happened that Lamelo shot because he realized, like, hey, we don't have our full staff. I need to be a little bit more aggressive than what is considered normal for me. Uh, as far as that's concerned, I, I don't see that becoming an issue just because when everybody is healthy, he has deferred when need be. And I think once you see somebody like a Terry Rozier come back, I think some of the shot, the shots are going to disperse out accordingly. Terrence, I find the varying opinions from Steve Clifford and the fan base on Mark Williams intriguing because Mark Williams did not play in the fourth quarter, and Steve Clifford told you that he rode Nick Richards because – Quite frankly, they, as a team, were just playing better with him out there. We've seen Mark Williams, Steve Clifford try to stick with them during those five-out lineups the opposition puts out there, as I've mentioned. You know, what do you make of Mark Williams' start to the season so far? I think he's been really good. I think the hard part with Mark right now is is you're having to have him be on the floor and with the NBA playing so many different styles. And What do I mean by that? For example... Uh, if there's one thing I could pick out with Mark Williams, it's his ability to defend in space. So whenever you go against somebody like a Bam Adebayo who can create for himself, sometimes that can be an issue for him. Not to say he can't do it, but it has been an issue. And whenever you know you have somebody like a Nick Richards who's a big energy guy, and I thought Nick played well, you're able to infiltrate a little bit more uh, punch into your lineup by having a guy that's going to be exceedingly physical out there. I think that helps on the defensive end, and sometimes it's going to hurt you on the offensive end. I'm a big fan of Mark Williams. He's learning to play different styles of games depending on the day that he's out there. When you play the Pistons, you have to be really physical and really strong. When you play the Nets, you have to be one of these guys that gets out and guards on the perimeter. Uh, Him learning the differences uh, between each and every game I think is absolutely crucial to his development. And you're, you're, you're seeing Steve Clifford kind of slow play that right now to hide some of his deficiencies.
So, Terrence, what do you expect with the return of Miles Bridges? What do you think that moment's going to be like on uh, and off the court? Uh, you know, guys, I'm just going to say it as bluntly as possible. I, I wasn't brought to Valley and I wasn't brought to Charlotte in order to get into his off the court situation. So I'm going to leave it there. I, I was told. Well, to, I meant really in the crowd, like as far as how the crowd's going to react to him. Sorry, I didn't clarify. I just meant the reaction no, no, that he'll fine. get. No, you're fine. I, I'm sorry if that came off a little harsh. I just don't want to get caught up in that because that's that's not my gig. I'm not a criminal analysis or criminal justice analysis or anything. So I just I want to get that out of the way. I, I think. Uh, the players are certainly happy to have him, and from a lineup standpoint, uh, I, I think it's going to be it's going to be beneficial because now you can go small. Where over the last, uh, you know, basically since the start of the season, they haven't been able to do so. Now Miles Bridges comes in; he can play some small ball five. You can have him and PJ Washington out there on the court at the same time. You can vary how you attack a defense. Uh, I think that's going to be hugely beneficial. Uh, Outside of that, as far as how the crowd's going to react, all this, that, and the third, I, I, it's it's hard to say because we're in a we're in an innocent until proven guilty situation, and if you don't play him and you hold him out, you run into issues with the CBA. So I, I want people to understand that, you know, while there are some eyebrow raising things that have been reported, they haven't necessarily been proven true yet. And if the Hornets don't play him, they have problems with the CBA. So the Hornets are in a complete lose-lose situation. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. So it kind of comes into this thing where you have to play him because of the rules that are put forth, and then you're going to have to let it play out on its own. It really is going to be interesting to see how the fans react at Spectrum Center and how Miles Bridges provides an impact on the court because hey guys, they're down. I'm sorry, a hey, I'm sorry for I'm sorry for coming. I didn't mean to come off mean there. You good, man? I I, I, I didn't take it that way. I just wanted to make okay. sure I clarified uh, to you that I didn't mean you know outside of the arena. Right, right. Got gotcha, you. Gotcha. No, you're good. It's all yeah, good man. here. It's all good it's here. All good the the show. Terrence Oglesby <laughs> joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. We'll see what the Hornets are able to do tomorrow night against the Milwaukee Bucks. Another in-season tournament game, this time against the Bucks. Terrence, we appreciate the time, man. Thanks again. Thanks, man. All right. Th thanks so much. We'll talk soon, guys. Absolutely. We have a couple more hours to go here at the Charlotte Auto Show, live from the Charlotte Convention Center. Campus Corner coming up next, as always, at 1 o'clock at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.